On this episode of Deal and Extend, we discuss a new user's question from the discourse form. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 89 of Deal and Extend. Deal and Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the Deal and community, places like the Discourse Forum, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also snag topics from around the network and give you our takes. With me today is Nate, the jolly open source soul. But once again, <laughs> we are still missing Matt, the Jack Frost of gaming, spreading his mischief around our Linux community, though not so much lately. How are you, Nate? <laughs> and I'm doing great. And yes, I am jolly. Usually. Usually. Yes, you are. Very rarely do I ever find you in a bad mood. And when you are sharing some not so nice things about stuff, you still do it in this very upbeat, positive way. It's kind of funny. I get a kick out of your complaining sometimes just because it's still so positive. You know, I really dig deep, try and turn something awful into something something positive, you know, turn lemons into lemonade or something like that, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Even when something like kicks you in the teeth, you gotta put in a new set of dentures or something. I didn't need those teeth anyway. Those ones weren't important. That's right. No you know, big deal. Get cyber teeth. <laughs> well, this isn't hardware addicts, but you definitely sound like you have some awesome new hardware that came your way. It's not really a new acquisition. I saw it for real cheap on eBay. It was a USB-C dock station and there was a time when I needed one, so I purchased it. I hadn't used it in a while. And since working on my Christmas light display in my house, it made more sense for me to sit in the front room and actually look at things while I'm working on it. I grabbed a monitor and dug the USB-C dock station out of mothballs or out of storage, rather. I was just not sitting on a shelf. Plugged it all in and I want to plug in the secondary monitor and it didn't work. And I'm thinking, well, golly, what's wrong with it? My other dock station just seems to work. And interrogating the device as I plugged it in, I noticed that on the USB, it said it had a display link video thing for it. So that means that this USB-C dock doesn't use, I guess, the Thunderbolt. It uses just USB 3.1 or whatever protocol. I'm not really sure. Don't quote me on that one. But it doesn't transfer video signals out. It's doing something different. Anyway, the display link drivers are not installed by default, at least in OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. But luckily, I did a search on the software.opensuse.org and DisplayLink, it's a community-maintained project, the drivers for it. So I installed it, a reboot later, and all of a sudden I have my external monitor works through DisplayLink. So it's not using any of the internal GPU, anything. It's all being done in the dock station itself. So I have a secondary monitor. It seems to have 3D rendering just fine. It feels like it's native. I didn't do any like intense gaming on it. I think I just started Descent 2 to see how that would work. So maybe it's doing some offloading. I don't know how it's actually working underneath the covers, but it does work. There's only one little thing that does sort of drive me nuts. And that's when a mouse is near the top, it starts to disappear a little bit, like it phases out of my reality on the primary monitor. It doesn't do it on the display link monitor. So there's something, a little glitchy bug thing going on there. It doesn't really affect anything other than the mouse cursor. Annoying, it's not awful. If I actually use Wayland, it doesn't do that. But if I'm using X11, it does act all crazy sauce. But outside of that, it's great. It's just a temporary setup right now. Basically in the homeschool room, I've taken a little spot on the table there so I can do a little work while the kids are doing their things. A little portable-ish thing I got going on. 
on. Nice solution so you don't have to walk all the way out to the cubicle labs every single time. Exactly. Because it's just inconvenient. And also it's cold out. So I don't always want to have to bundle up, throw my boots on, go outside, then take the coat off, go do a short little thing, put the coat back on, go back outside. You know, it's just annoying. Right. Also, if you're baking cookies... It's not really ideal to be in another building when you're doing it. It's a lot more convenient just to make a few steps into another room in the house. The one disadvantage of cubicle labs. Let's be clear. I don't make cookies. I am a horrible, (laughs) horrible, horrible baker. We all have different skills. Baking is not one of mine. That's one of my favorites. I'm not going to say I'm good at it, but I enjoy it. Let's put it this way. I've made cookies so bad animals wouldn't touch them. (laughs) Wow. That actually might be a talent in and of itself. Now, if you want me to smoke a pork roast, do something like that, I can do that. Like, no problem. That's my jam. But bacon cookies? Not this lady. All right. So I guess I won't share you my different cookie recipes, but I have a lot that are really easy. Maybe someone else in your family can do it. Maybe Magneto. I don't know. He might be good at it. Magneto is excellent when it comes to baking. Holy crap. Like, he does a great job. My oldest daughter is a great baker. I just don't have that skill, but other people in my family do. Yeah. That's one of those things. My grandmother was a great baker and I have vague memories as a child of her having a room filled with baked goods in the holiday season. I've longed to become that good, but I probably never will be. Uh, You're quite busy. It takes a lot of time to have a house full of baked goods. That doesn't include running kids back and forth to different activities. That's true. I think she did this like polyphasic sleeping because like she would just like take naps, but she seemed like she was up all the time. Like she like this took Mm -hmm. naps here and there, but never actually slept. She's one of those people. So I understand that you are doing some research on the pie hole. Yeah, it won't be too long before I have that hardware in my hands. Of course, when this show is released, I will already have been playing with it. Hopefully, pie hole will already be running. But where I didn't have the hardware before, I knew it was something that I wanted to do, but hadn't done too much looking into how to install it and all of that good stuff. And over the last week, I've started to do some of that research. So I just have on there like Raspberry Pi OS, the light edition, the very limited one that's got nothing on it, essentially. Okay. And then I ran the script to install it on that. I probably could install it on OpenSUSE, but it was just simpler just to do it direct. My thought was get it operational as quickly as possible in a way that it was supported because I don't know what I'm doing. And so better to have the best support possible. I'd consider myself a Linux light user as opposed to a hardcore user. It's my everyday system. I understand a lot of the basics of it, but when it comes to deep dive, especially into the server style stuff, just like baking, it is not my strong point and this is all new to me or newer to me when it comes to it. Like I like the route you went. The other thing in my research that I've come up with is making the pie hole itself your actual DNS server. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, creating a VPN, which uses your pie hole. So you can take that ad blocking with you everywhere you go on your devices out of the house and such instead of it just being a home service. I feel like I'm getting a bit over my head, but I love the idea of this. If you have anybody 
who has done this or you know of a great tutorial where they break it down and really explain it good for people that aren't cis admins, that aren't people that are very knowledgeable when it comes to network, internet network style things. I would love to get my hands on that because I want to be able to create this project. But at the same time in this learning process, I don't want my family to hate me when it's done because the internet doesn't work. I started a document, like really breaking down, make it easy with the idea of like going from zero to 60, essentially in the shortest amount of time possible. So I do have some notes on that I can probably share with you. It's just not a complete set of notes. So you're probably not going to get started on it until probably what, Sunday after this recording? Sunday, we actually are going to go visit family. So probably the earliest I'll get to start on it. No, I will probably actually start on it playing with it the 25th because we're not going anywhere on the 25th. We're staying home. We're relaxing. There will be some family here, but we're not leaving the house. Okay. So I will probably do some initial tinkering on the 25th, and then I probably won't be able to touch it again until the 27th. 26th is going to be a pretty gosh dang busy day for us. Even if it's not running full force on the 25th, there will be some installs happening on Christmas Day. Well, you might want to just play with the pie to start off with, throw it on a monitor and just have some fun with it for one, you know, like install a bunch of different, you know, set a bunch of different things. If you plan on doing pie hole like right out of the gate, I can probably give you some information by then, actually. Sweet. It's a matter of just refining my notes. I'm one of those, like I start at things and then I don't finish them. I got that problem. And then I have all these like 36 unfinished articles right now sitting in my queue, I think is what it's, what's going on right now. Oh, don't worry. I have the exact same problem too. There was some really cool information that was shared to me by community members for episode 85. That's the one where I was talking about using FreeCAD in order to create a 3D version of the guinea pig cage. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to learn this. I want to learn this. And I haven't messed with FreeCAD anymore since I did that. The guinea pig cage is built. Life is busy. I've moved on to other things. But in the discourse form on that topic, we had two users that shared some really interesting information on not necessarily using FreeCAD at all. There was an option to use Sweet Home 3D instead because it's more of a floor planning application, which it looks really cool. And then another user said, hey, why not use Blender? You can build this all out there too. Both of them seem to be really cool programs. I know way more about Blender than I do about the other one, but here's more options that might be easier for me to pick up on than using FreeCAD, where FreeCAD won't be a program I'm using all the time. So yeah, here's this great resource that was shared to us by the community, and I haven't got around to using any of that because, you know, the guinea pig cage is built. They're in it. And now, Mm -hmm. what's the next thing that has to be done right now? I need like a whole month where I don't have to do anything. I can just get caught up on all of these different projects that are going on. I hear you. I'm kind of in the same book, same note, same sheet. I have these things I just need to finish. They're mostly started. It's not really critical, but I have like, I have some other things. Just I just want to finish out, get done. I can breathe a little bit for me to, you know, start something else that I fall on my face with. That's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of changing things, changing projects, we're going to drop a little bit of a tease here. Deal and Extend, the show, will continue But it won't be continuing under the same name. 
What is that name change going to be? Well, we know what it is. And we'll tell you next week. Yeah. DLN Extend has kind of outgrown the name of it. We still want to do community stuff. We still want to take topics from around the show, but it's grown so much more in the conversations that we have between Nate, Matt, and I all of the different stuff that comes in. We are going to be keeping the same show. This one where we're chatting back and forth, it's all off the cuff, but it'll be under a different name. Make sure you check back next week for what that name change is going to be. I think the name that we're choosing reflects the personality a little bit better of the show that it's become. I'm excited. I like the name change. Not going to tell you yet. This episode of Dale and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup, too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app on their app platform for free. And it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. I still consider myself a Linux newbie. There's still so much that I don't know. And we were discussing that previously when we were talking about the pie hole and networking and all of that good stuff. I still feel like I'm very, very new to this system. But in truth, I've been here for about five-ish, six-ish years. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at dates to know for sure when I installed Linux the first time. And there are things now that I almost take for granted in understanding, whereas somebody coming into Linux is like, whoa, wait a minute here. I need a few things clarified. And that is where we're jumping back into the discourse form for Destination Linux. It is titled Newbie Questions. It comes in from Skydog713. Okay, I've been a Linux user for a while. I got into it because of the free as in beer aspect, but have become a fan and member of the DLN and JB communities as a noob I was a bit confused, thinking that the differences between distros turned out to be the differences in desktops. Maybe it's just how my mind works, but I've had a hard time putting names and different DEs. I've been running Mint for a while at home, but I found some issues getting it to print and even gave in and bought an HP printer, since they seem to be universally helpful. Just put Fedora 34, now 35, on my laptop here at work and I'm getting used to that DE, not only to run across Fedora Cinnamon, and now I'm really confused. And you're right. That is one thing when it comes to Linux is there is so 
many differences when you go between not only distros, but different desktop environments on top of that. I definitely see where you're coming from. I understand the confusion. There have already been some great responses. So at time of recording, this has been up for about 19 hours. When I first saw it, there was one response. There was two more added in the time since I first saw this post come up. And one of my favorites comes from Squirrely Dave. He did a really good job breaking down the different distributions of themselves. And then from distributions, you add desktop environments on top of that. Yeah, I think Squirrelly Dave really broke it down quite nicely, really. You know, Debian, Red Hat, Linux, SUSE, Arch, under Red Hat is, I would put, you know, Fedora, of course, just as he did. I was amused under the SUSE section. He says, uh, Cubicle Knight does have some limited experience with SUSE, and he kind of likes it, apparently. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Everything that he basically laid out there is pretty accurate, but I can totally understand Skydog's struggles in Linux. I remember first coming to Linux uh, long, almost, what, 18 years ago or so, 19, you know, like what desktop environment to use. For me, it was two box sets I could buy at the store. One was Mandrake Linux, the other one was SUSE. I went with Mandrake. I read that it was easier, so that's what I bought. Downloading an ISO really wasn't a thing at that time on, you know, dial-up. I was actually back and forth between GNOME and KDE. I, I installed them both on Mandrake and would go switch between back and forth with them until I kind of, I felt comfortable with one of them, which was KDE, which, you know, here I am on KDE Plasma some time later. I understand like there's all these different, well, of course, a lot of grammar, a lot of new grammar in the Linux world, you know, understanding what DE desktop environment is, understanding that there's so many different ways the uh, computing questions are answered, the problems are answered. And I can understand the confusion. I think it's good that he's stick with Fedora. I mean, that's a great choice. If he's comfortable in there, then I don't see any reason why he should change off of Fedora. You know, what it comes down to like, you know, desktops, there's lots of options now. And I, I believe Fedora is very friendly when it comes to like, you can install multiple desktops. You don't have to actually reinstall the whole operating system. I, I might be wrong on that. I know SUSE is, and Mandrake was. I'm pretty sure Fedora is also. And so you can actually test out the different desktop environments. It's really easy to test them out and see which one feels good. As far as the printing issue goes, I haven't had any issues with printing, really. Scanning sometimes, but not printing. I'm interested in knowing, you know, since he hasn't posted in 19 hours, but I'm interested in knowing like, what else is it that he needs to know or like what's the next stumbling block. I'm trying to think like early on, what were my stumbling blocks? I think understanding the concept of a root and a home folder in one file tree, that gave me headaches because I was expecting like an A, B, and C drive or something like that. Yeah, like you were used to in some of those other systems. You don't have that here in Linux. I mean, you kind of do, but it's just not organized like that. It's slash dev slash, you know, whatever, but right. the way you access it or interface with it is differently. And, you know, it's one of those things, that's, it's a magic black box. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> When I was first starting out in Linux, it's really easy to be overwhelmed with all of the choices that you have out there. And like Nate was saying, going through and playing with all of the different desktop environments on the same distro is a really good way to see which desktop environment you like the most. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that Manjaro is now my distro of choice. It wasn't in the beginning. It took some time for me to settle on that. And I don't expect any new user out of the gate to say, hey, this is the distro I want to use forever. It does take some time in finding which one works best for you. I have now settled on Manjaro. Now they offer multiple different desktops on top of that distribution. The official desktop environments for Manjaro are GNOME, Plasma, and XFCE. Those seem to be some of the most popular 
desktop environments around Linux. On their community tab, they offer Bungie, Cinnamon, Deepin, i3, Mate, and Sway. There's a whole lot to play with just inside Manjaro itself. Different desktop environments will get different tweaks depending on the distribution. So GNOME from Ubuntu is going to look way different than GNOME from Fedora. And it's just how they handle that, how they want the user experience to be, and what the philosophy is behind the distribution. In that same vein, you can take Pop! OS, who has been using GNOME as its desktop environment, and it looks incredibly different to even Ubuntu. Then there's the small distribution from Farron, Farron OS, and he has done really different things with Plasma itself. You wouldn't recognize it as Plasma right off the gate because it doesn't look stock at all. Diving into this world of Linux and choice is nothing like Windows, where you have essentially one desktop environment, and this is basically how it works. Each desktop environment has its pros and cons, and you just need to figure out which workflow works best for you. Mate isn't one that I've played with a lot, so it's hard for me to give really any feedback on Cinnamon, Mate, Deepin, any of the tiling window managers because I haven't used them personally myself. I've used XFCE, Plasma, and GNOME. So those I can give personal feedback on. But at this point, it's actually been long enough since I've touched GNOME or XFCE that I can only give past experience. I can't give current use experience. Nate, have you played with Cinnamon or Mate at all? And if so, how long has that been? I haven't used Cinnamon or Mate in some time. I've used them, but not really regularly. I find that I much prefer XFCE or Plasma. Plasma primarily, but XFCE or Plasma. They seem to fit the paradigm that I'm expecting when it comes to a desktop environment. A lot of people say a lot of really good things about Cinnamon. I've just never really enjoyed the Cinnamon experience. It's been okay for me. Budgie's a pretty decent one too, but I haven't really been into that one also for quite some time. So I can't really give a good assessment of how it is currently. If you kind of keep it down to the major ones, you just try them out. My usage of Mate has been good. I think it's been a great desktop environment. I specifically have enjoyed it on Ubuntu, the Ubuntu Mate version. That's my preferred expression of Mate. But Cinnamon has been good. It's been reliable for a lot of people on Mint. At least they talk well of it. So it's something worth trying. If nothing else, you know, click around, see if you like it. I think Plasma, I understand that, you know, the the complaint, there's too many options. I like the options. The options make me happy because I can customize to my heart's content. But they make it easy enough, too, if you get started in there. Just, do you want a light or dark theme? Do you want this accent color, this accent color? You know, actually, so multiple accent colors or a custom. The options are there tailor to your desires. But I wouldn't get too hung up on any of that, really. If you found that the stock Fedora experience works well for you or whatever, you know, just go with it. Go with it until you find that it doesn't work for you anymore or go with it and then maybe, you know, play around. There's nothing saying that you have to change to anything. It's the one thing I really enjoy about Linux is that it is a personal 
computer experience. It does give you the ability to put your own, whatever works for you personally. I'm assuming when you said you installed Fedora, it was the Fedora GNOME. It was a good experience for you. But I wouldn't be too confused by it. Lots of options. Just think of it like a buffet that you can pick and choose whatever pieces work best for your plate. Your plate being your computer. And you know, just kind of go with it. If you have questions about something or if you're like, hey, I want to try something else out, hopefully have like a little test computer or you can, if you know VMs, you can test in VMs too, but probably test computers gives you a better experience than play with it over there. Or if you want to change things on your main machine and you have everything, all your data backed up, you know, that's cool too. By reading the entry, I'm not really sure how proficient you are in technology. I mean, if you jumped into the Linux world and you installed it, no problem yourself. You're probably good with anything if you install Fedora. There are so many that are worth trying. I probably wouldn't do Arch, but that's just me. That's just you. I wouldn't throw anybody on an Arch or Arch base right up front just because there's extra stuff to do with some of those rolling releases, some of the stuff that is more easily broken just because of its update schedule. But at the same time, it's hard to know what you like unless you test it out. So if you find something right off the bat that you love, what Nate said, don't feel like you have to jump around. But if you are in an environment, a distribution that you're like, yeah, this is all right, but... You can absolutely feel free to distro hop. This is one of those reasons why there are so many distro hoppers, especially in the beginning, because it's like, oh, look at that, and look at that, and I want to try that. And what do they do differently? Because it is so individualized by the distribution, what they want the user experience to be, finding that happy Linux home can take some people a while to find not only your distro fit, but your desktop environment fit. The other almost issue I had, or one of the things as a new user that came up for me that I remember clearly getting familiarized with the software. Because of Corora, now that was a Fedora-based distribution that was made for new users. It was made for, I guess, quote-unquote, the everyday person. One of the things that I loved about it is it had all of these applications that I'd never touched, never played with before, and I was able to see what are some of the offerings that can be used on a Linux desktop. That's how I first got exposed to Darktable. That's how I originally found GIMP and so many other applications that I use on a daily basis was through an application that had everything and the kitchen sink included in it. Now, is that necessarily something that I would want to run now? When I install Manjaro, I'm not doing the minimal as we discussed before. So it does have some pre-built applications already inside of it. There are a few that I automatically remove after installing the system. But it is one of those ways that new users can find applications and be able to test them out by just looking in your app drawer, going to the graphics tab and seeing what's there, what's in the education tab, the office tab, and playing with some of those different things. Maybe you haven't played with them on a Windows system and the applications that you used before are no longer available. The one nice thing about being in the Destination Linux forum is that if you have questions about, you know, what apps can I run to do this task? If you have questions about different tasks you want to accomplish and what may be the best way to accomplish it, 
keep using the forum because there's lots of helpful people out there, lots of opinions. Make sure you let people know like what distribution you're using or whatever at the time to explore those things. You know, when I installed Mandrake so many years ago, had they not installed things like GIMP and VLC and, and other applications by default, I would not have known to use those. And maybe it wasn't VLC, maybe it was something else. They installed a lot of default applications that made it really easy to get started in Linux. I think Fedora has a nice selection that they install by default from what I remember. But you know, if it's something is missing there, something isn't exactly what you want, post it on the forum. Yeah, this is the job that I need to get done. This is what I used before. What can I use now to accomplish the same task? We always need to keep in mind that when we're changing applications, none of it is going to be exactly the same. You're going to have to learn that new application. Some things may be done differently. There are so many tasks that you accomplished on a Windows system that you can still accomplish on a Linux system just using a different application and possibly a bit of a workflow tweak. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. The Christmas lights are back for another episode. How did it go? How did the additional tweaks you need to go? And do you have some songs that are already lighting up your house for the year? I have four different songs that are rotating through. The one that took me a long time to do to put in, it's a YouTuber that I watch regularly. YouTuber sounds like an insult. Maybe it's not. A content creator on YouTube, that channel is called Retro Recipes. He did a song by asking his patrons to all send him a letter between A and I think it was H or something like that to throw people off. And so he got a, a series of letters and he just put them in order and he started just kind of toying around on the keyboard and he made a song. And then he took that song and he turned it into a SID chip tune, which the SID chip is what's in the Commodore 64 that generates a sound. But he didn't use a Commodore 64. He used some sort of a DAW, a DAW that had a plug-in to basically simulate the Commodore 64 just because it's easier that way. Although he has created other songs on the Commodore 64. I use that song. He turned it into kind of like a nostalgic Christmas thing. So I took that song and I did a light dance to music to it. And I did send it to him saying, hey, is it okay if I put this on YouTube? And he said it was brilliant. He was moved by it. He loved it. And absolutely share it. So and I guess he might use it 
in one of his videos as well. He's got 100,000 plus subscribers, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, he really liked it. It looks good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the final result from it. And I like the fact that it uses the Commodore SID chip. It kind of hit all the high marks for me. It's using some of the retro technology, the retro sound with your newer technology and the automated lights of your house. It's a great combination. It yep. sounds like a neat thing to do. It is. As soon as I heard the song when he produced it, I said, and this was like late 2020 when he actually produced it, I got to do a light show to that song because I like it so much. You know, and it speaks Commodore 64, so uh, that's pretty awesome. The three songs I did last year, because I didn't just want to have the one song cycling through, I did retool those for the new house. I would say they're not as good, so I'm probably not going to put those back on YouTube. If you want to see those light shows on my previous home, you can. those are in a playlist as well on my personal YouTube page. So I can give you a link to that playlist for the show notes. I will have one more up there today. I'm kind of finally, tw I'm tweaking it still. You know, I know like, oh, it's almost Christmas. I keep my lights up and doing Christmassy things until Epiphany. So if you, you know, imagine the whole 12 days of Christmas, the first day of Christmas is actually the 25th and then it goes 25 days and then you have Epiphany on the 13th day and that's the last time that they're played and I shut all the Christmas stuff down. I'll have lights up but they won't be doing Christmas dancing anymore. The last song from Owl City, it's called Light of Christmas. I really, really like it. It's a very high energy song and the higher the energy song, the longer it takes to actually do because it means there's a lot more, I don't want to say scene changes, but like sequence changes that you have the lights do. And I want to make it so it's interesting. So as you watch it, it doesn't get boring as it goes on, that you kind of build and the cliche of all music, essentially, all music and movies. Taking it more with the beat. So if it's a slower song, you can have lights on for a longer period of time, less changes and more of these upbeat, high energy songs. There's a whole lot more flashing when it comes to the lights. Is that it? It's that as well as like the kind of effects I'm doing as well. So usually at the very end, you have some kind of a climactic bit to it. I do some strobing effects. So if you have epilepsy, please don't look at the lights. But if you have epilepsy, you're probably not going to go look at flashing Christmas lights, just guessing, to kind of go with the music, you know? So we want things to kind of feel like they go together. I think there's a kind of, not to say that I'm, I'm an expert at this, because I'm really not, but I want to make it so the lights actually are not just randomly doing things, but actually doing it to the music specifically. So it takes a little bit to really time correctly and to make it feel right. I watch it over and over again. It takes me probably eight to 12 hours for a three minute song, three or four minute song, just to do one. That's a lot of work, but it looks really, really cool when you're done. It's worth it. I think so. Wendy, you're doing the mat trick today and being the enabler? That I am. This is actually a game that I've talked about before. It's Universe Sandbox. It was one that has been on my wish list for quite a while. It's gone on several different sales, but at the time that it was on sale, there was just other things that that money was going to. Recently, there was a Humble Bundle that was all about different sandbox style games, environments, that kind of thing. I finally picked up Universe Sandbox in that bundle. I'm sorry, guys. It's no longer available. I would have shared this last week, but it was down to just hours last week. I was having so much fun in the initial setup of this game. It takes you through our solar system, and then you can start making tweaks you can create your own environment. You can create your own solar systems. The first thing that happened when I quote unquote created my own, my youngest was in here and we decided that we wanted a binary star system in our new solar system. And I put the stars way too close together. And so we instantly got a supernova, which looked really, really cool in the game. It was a lot of fun, but it um, destroyed our solar system so <laughs> can you hit undo you can redo it you can go back and do things again i haven't figured out all the different tweaks of this 
okay, take KDE plasma and make it a solar system. There are so many different tweaks and adjustments that you can have on your planets, on your moons, on your stars. Which one is the parent planet? Which one is orbiting what? I mean, it is crazy the amount of tweaks and adjustments that you can do, the time that you can spend building out these solar systems. And then you can also adjust the length of time in which you're watching it. So is it hours per second? Is it days per second? Are you years per second? You can get up to billions of years per second in time as you're watching the solar system run through its course, which is interesting. The second time that we had set up a solar system, I didn't stabilize our stars first. So they were in motion, corkscrewing around each other. And so planets that I'd originally put in the zone that was too hot and the zone that was just right, that habitable zone. It didn't take long before my planet that was originally too hot was in the habitable zone, but now, of course, it doesn't have water because it started out way too hot, and my planets that were in the habitable zone, because they have gotten behind, they weren't keeping up with the speed of the stars as they were moving up, were now way, way too cold, and anything that was potentially living on my planets was now dead. I'm not great when it Mm. comes to designing solar systems. You're not good at being a god, (laughs) I guess, huh? I am not. I need a heck of a lot more work before I can establish my own community of aliens. It's a really cool looking game. (laughs) Just watching the previews and such, how it shows like meteors hitting planets or there's a a demonstration of, I see like this corkscrewing around a planet as it travels around a sun or whatever. And a VR option, which is also very cool. Yeah, really. It does have so many options. Yeah, it's super cool looking to watch. Even not playing it, just watching somebody else play it, I think is pretty awesome. And you don't need to be an expert at the beginning. They do have a lot of things that are already pre-set up. So you can dive into one of the already set up solar systems. There is seems to be quite a large community around that too. And so you can bring in community created solar systems community created events play with those adjust them it really is one of those that you can spend hours and hours and hours just simulating different options and stuff that's going on and not realize that you've spent a whole day and that you really should get up and go take a shower because you don't (laughs) smell very good anymore That's funny. It's early access though right now on it Steam? It says that it's early access, but I didn't see any problem with it at all. They are continuing to develop new things. It's quote unquote early access, but it's been around since August of 2015. I would say in my experience using it, it looks pretty gosh dang sharp. It looks pretty dang finalized. The other thing that I love about this game is there is a Windows native a Mac native and a Linux native version of this. It doesn't matter what system you are running. There is a native version for it. I guess that's not true. If you're on BSD, I'm sorry, there isn't a native BSD version, but there is a native Linux version. BS what? BSD. (laughs) (laughs) No, nobody knows BSD. Oh, there comes the hate mail. Yep, yep. Here comes the hate mail. Send it all to <laughs> Nate. It's his fault. He did it. You can send it to Wendy at 
my kids are wanting to play this on some of their laptops. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. It really does need more than what your laptops will hold. Now, you don't need to have the latest and greatest when it comes to hardware for this, but I highly recommend that you have a dedicated GPU if you're going to run this. And something that can handle DirectX version 11. Right. But if you're looking for something that's fun to play with, a science activity for the kids. It's really a cool way to understand some of these different concepts when it comes to gravity and how time and space affect different things. I would say it's probably one of my funnest classroom tools I've ever purchased. Looks like just a ton of fun. If you want to cause mass destruction, pick up this game. To a planet of your choice or of your own creation. I would say the sky is the limit here, but in all reality, the universe is the limit. The sky is too limiting. We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our creators and shows at destinationlinux.network. If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, make sure you check the links in the bottom of the show description or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting dlnextend.com slash contact. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag. When we change our name, the swag is going to change. So grab some Extend swag while it still exists. You always want the vintage stuff. Right, Nate? Of course. I'm going to keep my DLN Extend apron that I used to do all my baking. That's not going anywhere. You can also grab stuff from across the network in the merch store as well. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone.